This is Anglia, an audio drama from the Alternative Stories and Fake Realities podcast. Part 2. Migrants. My name is Millie. Do you speak English? Arida. I am Arida. Are you okay? Do you need anything? I hope I didn't frighten you. Are you the police? Detective? Immigration? No. No. Just walking. Will you tell them about us? No. No, I won't tell them. A secret. A secret, yes. Where are you from? How did you get here? From Iraq, northern Iraq. We are Kurdish. We walk and ride across Europe to reach here, then take a ship from Holland, from Den Haag, and a boat to shore two days ago. (sighs) Incredible. You were so brave. Brave? It would be brave to stay where we live. We have no choice but to travel. We have been made nomads. Do you have food? How many of you are here? Nine of us. Please do not inform them. For our children's sake. No, no, don't worry. I I won't tell anyone you're here. But can I get you food and water? You would do that for us? Yes. Yes, of course I would. Stay here. I'll go now. Wait, will it be possible? We need more than food. I am sorry. No, it's okay. What do you need? Medicine. We have two sick children, cold and wet from the boat. We cannot move on until the children are better. And a portable phone charger? No electricity here. Um, yeah, sure. I'll bring a paracetamol. A paracetamol. What about blankets to keep them warm? the little village shop trying to find the things they might need bread biscuits as much water as i can carry tins of beans half a dozen apples i pick up bags of sweets for the children a box of paracetamol back at the cottage i find a couple of thin fleecy blankets in my portable charger i throw a map of the area into my rucksack three or four spoons i can afford to do without a half-eaten piece of cheese some paper party cups and plates I set off across the fields to the wood. It's later now. Traffic on the roads. More people around. I feel guilty. Furtive. I'm doing something I know most of the people around here would hate me for. 
They wouldn't have a single qualm about calling the authorities if they had found what I had. They might even inform on me for helping them out. I could be charged with aiding and abetting illegal immigration. What would David say? Are you alone? Did anyone see you coming here? No, I was careful. I brought you some things. Thank you, Millie. You are very kind. And I can see that it is difficult for her to accept my gift. Perhaps it's an affront to her pride. Her sense of self-sufficiency. Perhaps she doesn't trust me. Can't rid herself of the nagging fear that this is a trap. A carefully laid ambush that will see them whisked off to the camps the moment she lets down her guard. It's okay. Don't worry. I hope your children are better soon. And be careful how much paracetamol you give them. Make them eat before they take the medicine. Yes, I'm a doctor. I know what to do. You're a doctor? (laughs) Yes. Is that so hard to believe? And as I walk away, back across the fields with the sounds of larks and song thrushes colouring the hazy air, I contemplate the desperation that must cause a doctor to up sticks and march her family across two continents for a better life. Or a different life. How unsafe would an educated, professional person need to feel to flee like that? How hopeless would a situation need to seem to consider such a peril-strewn journey the better option? I feel bad that I must have sounded so surprised when she told me of her profession. Pepperoni macaroni, pepperoni macaroni. Okay, September 20th. In my second report from East Anglia in England, I look more deeply at the unfolding migrant crisis playing out in this remote, underpopulated corner of the United Kingdom. Only about 140 miles from London, but hampered by poor transport links, this part of East Anglia could be many hundreds of miles from the capital for all of the influence it seems to have on London, and vice versa. But this is also where hundreds of migrants are choosing to come ashore. I talked to the crew of one of the Coast Guard patrol boats searching for migrant boats off this shoreline. They come at night mostly, some in tiny boats, some in these larger, overloaded, inflatable things. The currents here make it impossible to navigate accurately, unless you know what you're doing. Many have drowned trying to reach the beaches. There have been numerous accidents, and Coast Guards believe they may have averted many more. Those that do reach land safely 
face internment in one of the many processing camps set up by British Home Office up and down this coast. Former Air Force bases, schools, old industrial premises have all been pressed into service to house and process the new arrivals. Critics say that they are being used as prisons rather than refugee reception centers, but the government insists that inmates are treated well and that each asylum claim is treated on merit. Hello? Rachel? Hello, it's Millie. Uh, Millie from reception. Do you have a moment? Sure, come in. How are you? I'm fine. Listen, this needs to be kept a secret for the moment. But I've got something I need to tell you. Testing. This is Rachel Wood at Heacham Immigration Processing Camp. Testing. This is Rachel Wood at Heacham Immigration Processing Camp. Heacham Camp. It's 1023 on September 21st. Impressions. This looks like a purpose-built camp. Low, gray buildings, tiny slit windows, All around, there are high fences topped with coiled barbed wire. Razor wire? Two tall lookout points with what looks like searchlights at the front and the back of the compound. There's a large grass area with gravel paths crisscrossing it. An exercise yard, maybe? The front gates. Double gates with sturdy wood paneling. A couple of officers standing there. Are they armed? Uh, Baseball caps, anti-stab vests. One wears dark aviator shades. Difficult to get more detail from this range. Wait, huh. A bus approaching from behind me? I can see passengers at the windows. It's full of migrants. I can see young children sitting on their mother's laps. Young men and women. There are guards on the bus, standing in the center aisle between the seats. The camp gates are opening, and the bus is driving through. I can see... Excuse me, miss, what are you doing? (gasps) Oh, God, (laughs) you frightened me. I'm a journalist, just working on a story. A story on what? On the camps. I'm going to need you to leave the area, please. What? This is a public place, isn't it? We can deny access to any area where specific restricted activity is taking place. What's that supposed to mean? Specific restricted activity? That's not open for discussion. If you don't leave, I'll need to arrest you. And you could be charged with trespassing in a restricted area. Arrest me? I told you I was a journalist. Arresting me is not going to play well with my listeners. That's not my concern, miss. Not my decision. I will arrest you if you refuse to leave. (sighs) Okay, I'm going. So when can I return to this area? When is the restriction lifted? 
That's not up to me, I'm afraid. Thanks for your cooperation, miss. What can I do for you? I just wanted to let you know that I've been threatened with arrest just for being near one of the camps. They informed me there was specific restricted activity going on, which effectively turns the area into a no-go zone. There were buses full of migrants entering the camp I visited. They clearly think they have something to hide, and the secrecy around the place is clear. I guess I just need to know if you want me to keep pushing and risk arrest. What support would you give me if I ended up in jail? Wow. What have they got to hide? Hmm. But Rachel, you need to be sensible. Don't risk arrest. We can get almost as good of a report if we tell the story of them threatening you with arrest than if you're actually arrested. Okay. Okay. You're right, of course. I'll try to switch off my more tenacious news hound instincts for a few days. Thanks so much, Laura. No problem. You look after yourself. If you don't know about the Fens, they're like nothing else in the world. The land here was just marshes before it was drained hundreds of years ago. So where the land becomes the sea is a kind of dotted line. Ambiguous. Sketchy. The coastline has moved many times over the centuries. Out there, under the North Sea, is a lost land called Doggerland. A sort of northern Atlantis. A kingdom submerged beneath the waves. Trawler men miles and miles out to sea dredge up tree stumps, mammoth skulls and all sorts of other artefacts that convinced archaeologists and geographers that there was land there. A land bridge that connected Britain to northern Germany, Holland and Denmark. From the Middle Ages they started to build drainage ditches and canals through the marshes. They put up walls and dikes to stop the sea flooding onto the land. Most of the fens lie below sea level, you see, and it is as flat as any land you'll ever come across. You can see for miles on a clear day. There isn't a hill within half an hour's drive of here. You can track the progress of the electricity pylons across the landscape. You can see wind turbines like tiny toys 10 miles distant. Gradually, the marshes dried out and became farmland, rich land, good for agriculture. We grow fruit and vegetables, we grow crops. The land's good for grazing cattle, fertile and abundant. Farmers never want for water and whilst the soil can be somewhat clayey, it is full of nutrients that both crops and animals need. There are stories and songs about this place that are hundreds of years old, yet still get passed from parent to child. Stories of spirits, supernatural beings, of 
will-o'-the-wisps and boggarts, ghosts and spectres in the marsh mist at dusk or daybreak. There are people still alive that won't walk out on the paths through the fens after daylight has faded. There are plenty of stories of visitors, ignorant of these customs, who have disappeared never to be seen again. It was here that King John lost the crown jewels in the 13th century, literally lost them in the marshes. It was here that the warrior queen Boadicea saw off the Roman legions that had marched unchallenged across most of Western Europe. They conquered mountains and deep valleys but couldn't master the flatlands of Eastern England. Never underestimate the strangeness, the weirdness of this place. Never take anything for granted in this landscape. And that moving coastline I mentioned is moving more quickly now than it ever has before. Sea levels are rising, inundating the dikes and seawalls, reclaiming our low-lying land, battering our cliffs and beaches, taking back from us what we stole from nature all those years ago. But we're not going to let it go that easy. This is a lifestyle. The fens are in our blood. And we won't let the weather, the sea or migrants take that from us without a fight. Here comes the voice of America. Hi, David. Can I get you a beer? I wouldn't take it from you, even if I was really thirsty. Oh, um, sorry, what have I done wrong? I'm not stupid. Just because you're broadcasting in another country doesn't mean I can't listen to what you're saying. You're dragging us through the gutter in your reports, aren't you? You haven't included the voice of the locals at all. It's just migrants this and camps that. Poor migrants drowning. Poor migrants locked up in camps. What about the locals who have to put up with all the disruption this causes? What about the effect of this bad publicity on our local economy? People like you just don't care though, do you? It's all about getting your voice on the radio, getting your words printed. David! Stop being an idiot. David, I've talked to you, listened to what you've had to say. The report is going out tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow, after you've set us up to look like the villains because we're not looking after the poor migrants. David, for God's sake, shut up. It's okay, Millie. I'm going up to my room. Have a nice evening, everyone. Oh, well done, David. That was really classy. Thanks for scaring away our customers. Maybe you'd like to help yourself to a free beer on the house too. Rob us of small profits. <laughs> Times are hard enough without you costing us income. <sighs> it's only money. She's trying to make us look bad in front of the whole world. If that catches on, you can wave goodbye to money from tourists in the future. Not that they'd be likely to come here with all that's going on. David, you need to calm down about all this. It's eating you up. Changing you.
Rachel. Rachel, are you awake? Mm, Millie, come in. Are you going to join me on the walk? Sure. Yes. Sorry. I'd forgotten what rising at dawn felt like, though. You do this every day? Most days. Some days in the middle of winter I chicken out, but yeah, most days. It's the best time of day. Seriously. Well, I'm a night owl. The only time I'd be likely to see dawn would be if I'd been up all night. Party girl? Once was. Life's much quieter now. Having a proper job slows you down. Tell me about it. David and I work at least three jobs each. Even then, we can only just about make ends meet. It's difficult here, Rachel. That's why you mustn't be too hard on David and the other locals. I know they come across as idiots, but life has been really tough lately. They see the migrant arrivals as yet more competition for jobs. More competition for the few good things left in this part of the world. I know that. But I don't expect to be loudly insulted in front of all the other customers of the bar when I'm off duty and just coming in for something to eat and drink. You lost yourself some trade last night. I ended up eating biscuits and drinking that awful instant coffee you put in the rooms. And by the way, they come across as racists first and foremost, then as idiots. I'm sorry. He was out of order. So, tell me more about why I'm walking around the edge of a muddy field in the middle of the night after four hours sleep. You must keep this a secret, Rachel. I'm telling you as a friend, not a journalist. That's rather awkward, but go on. I found a camp. Um, Not like the migrant reception camps. Literally half a dozen tiny tents pitched in a wood. I met a young woman called Awara. She's a Kurdish doctor. There were a couple of kids... A few more adults. They must have come ashore, evaded the Coast Guard and police patrols and pitched these flimsy little tents in the woods where they could just lay out of sight. The kids were ill, so they couldn't press on. I took them food, blankets, medicine. Wow, and you've not told anyone about this? No way! If David and his friends found out, they'd be out there with sticks, smashing the tents down. Or worse still, informing the police. Really? Jeez, Millie, remind me why you're with this guy again? I know. I sometimes ask myself that question. But listen. Promise you won't tell anyone about this camp. If the word gets out... Millie, it's okay. You have my word. Journalist mode disengaged... Human being mode selected. Okay. This is the wood. Um, 
Let's be really quiet. a police officer? Immigration? No, no. Uh, she's a friend. Nothing to worry about. Hello, Awara. My name is Rachel. You're American? Um, yes, that's right. I'm from the United States. I learned English from watching American movies and listening to language lessons with American accents. How have you been? How are the children? Are they feeling better? A little better. Not properly recovered, but certainly getting better. Thank you for the medicines and the blankets. And for the food. I brought you some more. Um, just a few tins and some water and some apples. You are very kind, Emily. But I have to ask you. What do you think will happen to us if they find us? In international law, it says that if we are refugees, we must be treated according to certain rules. But when I read the news here... I understand that migrants are put into camps, into prison camps. Is this true, Millie? I... I don't know. Um, but we must go. I will come back soon to bring you more food. Just stay in the wood. Don't leave the Woodawara. way earlier than you will ever, ever see me when I'm back home. And what were you looking for on this walk, Rachel? A tiny encampment of migrants. Kurds from northern Iraq, I believe. They must have hiked and hitchhiked across two continents to get here. Stowed away on ships, hidden on trains. However they did it, they also managed to evade the Coast Guard patrols, get ashore without detection, and walk a couple of miles from the sea to this tiny wood where they're camped. The authorities don't know they're there. Are you going to write about it? I promise not to. One word out of place and they can be discovered. They have tiny kids with them. If they are caught, they'll be locked up in one of the camps. You don't need to give away any details like the location of the woods. They'll probably be found anyway, won't they? If the picture you're painting in your reports is true, it sounds like England has become practically a police state. Well, not quite, but... It's certainly a hostile environment for migrants. I'm more worried about the locals finding them, if I'm honest. There are some poisonous attitudes floating around, Laura. Everyone seems to have become emboldened by the hard-right government, and they just let the racism and hostility flow like no one's watching. God knows what might happen if some people I've met stumble across the camp. Well, I think you should write about it. What's the point of you being there if you come across a story like this and don't share it? Bigger picture. You'll be helping to expose this hostility towards migrants. 
maybe exposing this lot to danger, but perhaps making the environment slightly less hostile for those who come later. Would you let me think about it? It's not like you're not getting plenty of other juicy stories from me. We don't exactly need this one. Okay. Let's talk again tomorrow. See if you've changed your mind. Sleep on it. Okay. Thanks, Laura. Appreciate it. No problem. But a tip, Rachel? Don't tell your editor about a great story you're not intending to break again, please. It makes me think there might be other revelations you're uncovering which you're keeping to yourself. Noted. I guess I was telling you as a friend and not my editor. See you soon. Afternoon, sir. What can I get you? Um, I wasn't after a drink, actually. I was just wondering if you knew of a Rachel Woods. I think she may be staying in the area. Rachel Woods? Um... American? Blonde hair. Uh, she's a journalist. And who's asking about her? My name's Davis. I'm a writer on The Times. Acquaintance of hers. Is she staying here? We don't give information about our guests, so even if she was staying here, I wouldn't be able to tell you. No, of course. I'm sorry, I, I don't want to get you into trouble. Just that I haven't seen her in months and it would be good to catch up. So, if I were to pop back at, say, 7.30 or 8-ish tomorrow morning, see who was eating breakfast in your lounge, that might be a good way of finding her. I suppose so. If she was staying here... Which, of course, you aren't in a position to confirm or deny. No. And if you'll excuse me, I need to serve this gentleman. Absolutely. Thanks for your time, miss. You're welcome. Davis? I don't know anyone called Davis. What did he look like? Part 2, Migrants. Jackie Jorgensen was Rachel. Tiffany Clare was Millie. Saya Zahawi played Awera. Charlie Richards was David. Catherine Daddario played Laura. And Kelly Winkler was Willa. Davis and other characters were played by Chris Gregory. The original music score was written and performed by Chris Gregory and published by Scarecrow Music. Sound effects were from freesound.org. The ANN News Jingle was written and performed by Stonefree. The presenter is Kelly Winkler. Anglia is an Alternative Stories 2019 production for the Alternative Stories and Fake Realities podcast. Please join us next week for Part 3 of Anglia. We would like to extend our thanks and gratitude to our valued beta listeners, Caroline Minx, Cheyenne Bramwell, Naris Howell, Melissa Welch, 
and Ruth Ann Reed. We would like our story to be heard as widely as possible in order to increase awareness of the possible effects of climate change in the not too distant future. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please mention us to your friends and family. And if you are active on social media, please mention us in your tweets and comments. If you are aware of news organizations, media, or broadcasters who might be interested in hearing about our story, we can provide a press kit and access to marketing materials and MP3 versions of the episodes. Please contact us on office at alternativestories.com for further details and information. We'd also be grateful for ratings, comments, and reviews of our show on podcast applications. Positive reviews can help to increase the profile of the podcast and broaden our audience. We know it takes time to do this, and we're grateful to all of you who have done so already. In each episode of Anglia, we are recommending another podcast we think our listeners will enjoy. Last week, we mentioned Aidan Roswell's Room podcast. And this week, we'd like to point you in the direction of a podcast called Scary Stories for Modern Minds by Caroline Minx. Scary Stories applies horror tropes and approaches to describing common situations from everyday life. This includes everything from trying to pay off a student loan to buying a bra. It's funny, beautifully written, and brilliantly observed. You can find it in all major podcast apps and search it out on Twitter where its handle is at ScaryModernPod.